welcome to the Geek Saga podcast series, Hot D Takes, covering HBO's House of the Dragon, episode by episode. I'm Tara Lynn of Geek Saga Entertainment, and welcome to Hot D Takes. This podcast series covers HBO's House of the Dragon episode by episode with myself, an avid reader of all things ASWAF, and my friend Manny, a Game of Thrones fan who is unsullied, aka has never read the books, being your stalwart hosts. So first things first, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at A Geek Saga. And I'm Manny, the aforementioned unsullied co-host, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Manissimo Art. Thanks for joining us for our seventh episode, which will cover episode seven of House of the Dragon, Driftmark. As a reminder, expect spoilers from the episode we're covering, but less obvious, there will be very minimal book spoilers from Fire and Blood, which is of course the source material for House of the Dragon. We'll start with an episode summary, then cover what we think are the main hot takes from the episode, and conclude with an episode-specific favorites roundup. We also have a rating system that we will, like true Targaryens, fill in when and where we please, and that system includes rating things on a scale of 1 to 10 Targ eyebrows. Last but not least, each week we're joined by a special guest. This week it's Nami, a fellow ASWAF fan, a co-host on Geek Saga Entertainment's show Sagas and Sass, and newly appointed Ice and Firecon small council member. Nami, where can everyone find you on social media? Hey guys, you can find me as Nami Sparrow on most things, primarily Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And if you wish to find me on Twitter, I will be there as Nekonami Cosplay, my handle from ye old days. And all all that is is shit posts, so please enjoy that. <laughs> all right, so we are super excited to have you join us, particularly for this episode. Now, just one last piece of business before we dig in. Don't forget that Geek Saga Entertainment now has a Patreon with 10 tiers ranging from $1 a month to $40 a month. It offers tons of ways to support us and receive some great perks in return, including early access to these Hot D Takes podcast episodes. You can check it out at patreon.com slash geeksaga underscore entertainment. And now it's time for the long and the short of it, our weekly episode summary. So if you've ever been to an awkward family funeral, who boy, do we have an experience for you. Because while it's time to put one of our favorite ladies, Lana Valerian, who hashtag deserve better, to rest Gathering the entirety of the Valerian Targaryen family together, along with allies such as Larry Strong, aka Limplefinger, newly minted Lord of Harrenhal, and the ever-present Sir Cole of House Law, <laughs> and none other than good old Otto, reprising his role as the Hand of the King. Doesn't bode well. And wow, does everyone involved have a hard time minding their dang manners right from the very start of poor Lena's funeral. First off, we got Sir Vaymon Valerian, who makes a, a comment about the strength of Valerian blood that is obviously named at Rhaenyra and her children. And Damon has an aggressive giggle over said comment. Then Lenor understandably goes off to cry in the ocean over his sister's death. Hashtag valid. Jace also complains about it being at Driftmark instead of Harrenhal because he misses his real dad. And he totally doesn't know this, but he like totally knows this. Larry's limple finger is creepily eyeing Allison. Aegon gets super heckin' drunk. 
Helena is busy acting out some sort of like spider girl dream or like, I don't know, Charlotte's web with her creepy crawlers. Corlys, for some reason, decides it's a good time to remind Luke that he will be Lord of Driftmark one day. Yikes. Rhaenyra spends most of her time stalking Damon from the edge of the crowd. And Viserys decides to go to bed and he calls Allison Emma in what was probably the best line of this whole show. All right, listen, it's all sorts of awkward all the way around. And honestly, a huge relief when the gathering ends and everyone goes to bed. Though, thankfully, not before Damon gets in one good jab on good old Otto. Except as it turns out, despite all of these people saying that they're going to bed, many of them don't. First up is Corley's and Rainey's, who have a bit of an argument over the Driftmark succession because, well, as Rainey's points out, Rhaenyra's sons aren't actually Valerians, and therefore the seat should pass to Lena's eldest daughter, Bela. Granted, this would absolutely look like yet another show of mistrust in the boys' parentage, and while Rainey shrugs this off, Corley's persists in his mindset, stating that history doesn't remember blood, it remembers names. Huh. Rather progressive of him. Interesting. In the meantime, Rhaenyra is taking another walk on the beach, but one that will end up a lot of, uh, sexier than the one she took with Laner all those years ago. Because, because this time they both fancy, uh, complimentary meat. Because this time, she's with Damon. And after some back and forth about their woes and wins in marriage, they spend what seems to be the required 35 and a half minutes slowly taking off their clothes before finally having the sex. In the words of everyone not involved, these people are disgusting. Anywho, while the rest of his relatives are sleeping, arguing, off hooking up with each other, Amond has been eyeing Vagar all day and, and has now snuck off to claim her the whole situation has to make you question his brother and nephews poking fun at him for not having a dragon because sure there's a little bit of, of hemming and having and hesitation on amon's part here but also this is freaking vagar and in the end he is able to calm her and have a very triumphant dragon ride though come on now lol sighed him literally telling this she dragon to calm down because that's what lakiri means in high valerian now of course everything that was going on at the actual funeral led to a buildup of already existing tensions but it's Vela and reyna waking up to discover that someone is quote stealing unquote vagar that really shakes things up because reyna has grown up without a dragon of her own so far and she wanted to claim vagar for herself so the twins wake up their cousins jason luke and they all run to confront Amon, a confrontation that not surprisingly turns violent when Amon suggests that the boys give Reyna a pig to ride. The sisters then technically shove off the physical yeah. altercation, but the boys escalate it when Amon gets pretty violent with the girls. Amon seems to be coming out on top after he breaks Luke's nose, starts harping on his nephew's parentage, then threatens to bash each other's heads in with a rock. But in the end, it isn't Amon who exerts any lasting physical damage but luke who scoops up the knife his brother dropped and slices up Eamon's eye however if you thought this was bad just wait until the parents gather to deal with it which they do right away in a scene that is in some ways reminiscent of the late night gathering of areas fight with joffrey in season one of game of thrones with a lot more emotion on the part of the adults Viserys wants to know who was watching the kids, and while I hate to admit that our resident 4chan member Kristen is right, why would 
They have thought to guard the children against each other in the dead of night. Meanwhile, Alicent screams at and beats on Aegon because why not? Clearly him getting drunk at a funeral means the entire situation is all his fault. Massive eye roll, everyone. Frustratingly, the whole story about what happens never really comes out as the whole thing is blamed on Aemon spouting off about his nephew's lineage and Aegon taking the fall for Alicent by not arguing with the eyeballs that blame him and then stating that everyone knows Jace and Luke are bastards. Now, Viserys being Viserys, his solution, such as it is, is to threaten anyone who keeps spreading this rumor with a prompt tongue removal and to then demand that the children apologize to each other and stop fighting. But Alicent being this Alicent that she morphed into during the 10-year time skip, she insists on taking matters into her own hand, first demanding that Viserys actually do something about what happened, an eye for an eye, literally, and then, when he refuses, ordering Kristen Cole to do it for her. However, while Sir Cole of House Law might be sworn to Alicent, he still united the King's Guard, and it's clear that he isn't going to obey her either. At this point, Alicent completely loses it and straight up rips the dagger, yes, that dagger, from Viserys' sheath and rushes at Rhaenyra's children. Another tussle ensues when Rhaenyra blocks her, and Alicent only comes to her senses, such as they are, when she ends up slicing open Rhaenyra's arm. That poor dagger really has been through a lot, hasn't it? So everyone finally disperses, even though nothing is really resolved, although Aemond at least doesn't seem too upset, counting the exchange of an eye for a dragon, and Vagar at that, an even exchange. Something that good ol' Otto agrees with when he confronts Alicent about her actions. Actions that he in fact approves of because he didn't think she had it in her. Needless to say, guess who's not in the running for Father of the Year award? Okay, so obviously it's Otto. Though when Lenor finally does show up and find out about what happened, he is chastised as well, at least by himself, and tells Rhaenyra that his friend, who is a boy, Carl, is off to the Stepstone soon anyway. And so he, Lenor, will be recommitting himself to their marriage. However, while Allison is plotting out her next moves with the all-too-present help of Laris Limplefinger, Rhaenyra isn't just sitting back to see what happens next either. She straight up proposes marriage to Damon, even though she knows this can only happen if Lenor dies, which, whoa there, slow your roll, guys, right? Only, despite it seeming as if Damon is paying off Carl to murder Lenor, he in fact assists Carl and Lenor in staging a duel that only makes it look as if Lenor has died. Sadly, this leaves Corliss and Rhaenys mourning the supposed loss of their only remaining child, but of course it also allows Rhaenyra to have another shotgun wedding, this time to the man she clearly always wanted in the first place, her uncle, ew, Damon. Hey, at least Lenor gets to sail off across the narrow sea with Carl, hopefully to live out a life free from this never-ending Westerosi Game of Thrones. So, hot take number one. A funeral for all ages? <laughs> or a funeral for the ages? I'm not sure which fits better. I think they're kind of both equally apt. It started off beautiful and sad and continued that way for like a couple of minutes up until the drama started. That's some graveyard at the bottom of the sea right there outside of Jewish Park. Right? There was a moment where like I saw I saw the um casket the the water casket like just like falling down and i'm like it's gonna fall into a mountain of bodies yep yep there it is yeah found it 
I was watching and I got distracted because I, I, for some reason when I saw the the casket, I thought it was wood for a minute, and I was like. Man, don't don't put that. It's just gonna wash up back on shore, and then there's gonna be a dead body just kind of hanging out there. And it's you know you don't want to do it. when it when it sank. I had I had the same feeling where I was like, okay, there's probably a mountain of bodies here, and in the next few hundred years, it's gonna start coming out of the water. <laughs> I hope they sealed those like real well. Granted, this isn't drinking water, yeah. but <laughs> after the beautiful and sad sliding of Lena's very beautifully carved casket into casket coffin whatever into the sea it deteriorated pretty quickly but first we needed that shot of good old Otto stroking his hand oh yeah Mm -hmm. god the worst he was was gonna have an orgasm right there just touching it he's just like oh oh my god (laughs) I love the hand of the king on me. <laughs> the only he, thing he cares about. <laughs> he really just he uh, Manny. All he really needed to get the, to get it done was the the king's hand on him. Oh yeah, God! That was it <laughs> terrible? I'm sorry. I had to say it. I give that joke eight out of ten targ eyebrows, but I give Otto's sexual stroking of his. Hand of the kingpin, one out of ten eyebrows, only because and it was I, his fucking creepy face. Also, it was, yeah. just, it was just everything. It was the whole package. It's like, oh, you know, like, dude. <laughs> and like, if that wasn't creepy enough, I know why Damon giggled, right? But it was so inappropriate. I know he giggled <laughs> because of the comment that Vaymond made about Renera's kids. But dude, hold I it mean, in a minute. Ever expected Damon to be appropriate because I feel like that might have been the first mistake there. Like, like I came into this episode once again being like, oh, I wonder what crimes Damon is going to commit this week. And turns out the horriblest one of them all was snickering at his wife's funeral. I mean, he wasn't wearing a black hoodie at the time. So <laughs> I thought maybe he could hold his shit together for like his daughters for half a second. I don't know. Say this, Damon is one of those friends that I always have. That when I'm in a situation and it's not funny, and they start doing something like that, they're the person that I have to look at from across the room and be like, "Yeah, like they have no concept of that." And it's just like, dude, mm-mm, mm-mm. I used to do it. To, like my brother was a stand-up comedian, right? And he would get really dark on stage, and I would always stand in the back of the room, standing up, not sitting down. And the second he started getting dark, I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And then he would like stop, <laughs> you know. It's like, dude. So that's what Damon reminds me. He's just like one of those people. And then after Damon giggling, we get Jace being mad that they aren't at Harrenhal because he does know who his daddy is. I mean, Renera has never straight up said yes, you're right, but he knows. And she's just like, "Go comfort your cousins. We have to be here. Whatever. We can't be there. This is family. That isn't." go comfort your cousins so he tries sort of like he he approaches them and it's clear that he's he's just being an awkward little boy like not knowing what to do and one of them so i'm pretty sure it was meant to be bela because bela is the one who ends up engaged to him so i think that was kind of like what would they what they were playing with there yeah and she just grabs his hand and part of me wonders if she grabbed his hand not just because she needed the comfort, but because she knew 
maybe partly that he didn't know what to do, but also maybe partly she knows that he also lost someone, maybe. I don't think she's that aware. Because... They have been in Essos, so... Yeah, I was going to say, they've been in Essos. Also, they're, like, maybe 10 maximum, maybe 12. And, like, you pay attention and, like you know that, like, okay, my cousins don't look like me. This is pretty sus. So they definitely have a different dad. But I doubt she knows the further gossip of who that different dad was and, oh, my God, he just died. Because that's, like, a lot of steps for a 12-year-old. I doubt the girls really know anything about their family at home. And they're just like, we have a surprise grandma and grandpa. Whoa, we have cousins. Why are they white? Okay. I mean, the the hand holding was cute. I have a feeling, based on what happened in this episode, they will realize more sooner rather than later. But it was cute. And then Corliss, seriously, now is not the time to talk to your very young grandson about how he gets to be Lord of Driftmark right one day. But literally, Luke turning around and being like, "I don't want it. Everyone will be dead." I'm like, "Snaps to you!" Like, tell your grandpa to shut up and be appropriate. Like. Like, good for you, little guy. It was the more understandable version of Jon Snow's, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is the, is the, no, yes, meme, except it's Jon Snow, I don't want it, no. And then it's, and then it's little, little J- Luke being like, I don't want it, and us being like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just everybody was so inappropriate at this funeral, like, Really, Corliss? Come on, you're better than this, I thought. I hoped. I don't know. What is even appropriate anymore? Like, I... Oh, <laughs> God. That's what Game of Thrones does to me. I'm like, what are morals? They're just kind of, like, wibbly-wobbly. Like, plus it's Matt Damon. It's like, what are moral- morals? Just a ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Wait, Matt Damon? Matt I was like, Matt Damon, holy shit, he did great. I didn't even even notice him there. (laughs) From now now on, Damon will be Matt Damon. (laughs) For me, I really connected with this entire funeral scene because, you know, uh, you know, as a little Cuban boy growing up, there was many, 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 many of funerals that I've been to. And there was always some weird shit going on like that. Somebody would say something and just like man, what the fuck? And a fight would break out later in the night and then somebody would be inappropriate and somebody would say some shit like, yeah, she was hot when she was alive, you know, like weird shit like that, you know? And so to me, I just, there was something about, I don't know, I hate to say it, but I kind of felt like I was at home during that funeral. (laughs) Oh, I've been through a lot. I had a big family when I was young, but they were all really old, you know? It wasn't like tragic. They were just older people, you know? So My maternal grandmother passed away in 2017. The first grandparent I ever had who passed away. My other three grandparents are still alive. I'm very lucky in that. But my maternal grandmother's funeral was awkward because... The family had been very much at odds with each other. My mother has an older brother and an older sister and a younger sister. And I get her youngest sister, her younger sister, my sisters and I get along with those cousins. The rest of us don't talk pretty much, particularly to me, because when the drama started, I was already 18 or 19 years old and 
I was uh, like, fuck you guys. I literally contacted my mom's older brother and sister and told them to fuck off that they were being assholes. And then there was this whole like, Tara doesn't respect her elders. And I was like, "Mm, maybe stop being assholes and I'll respect you. But the difference is from your family, we're a bunch of wasps. So <laughs> our our version our version of an awkward funeral is all just like standing on in opposite corners of the room and having as little interaction with each other as possible and there's no drama per se it's just awkward in that oh these people obviously all don't like each other from all the people who are there extraneously like extended family members or friends of the family whatever so so yeah I get what happened here but I'm also on the waspy side of things where it's like come on y'all control yourselves I always go by the point of view of like grief makes people a little bit insane and like this family's already a lot of insane so put all that together and you just get a whole ass heckin' mess. Because yep. when I think about what my family would do, there's a certain member of my family who, um, no matter what sort of damage control someone may or may not try to do, he will always pick a fight with a certain other member of his wife's side of the family to the point where one time he spent two hours following him around and he- heckling him, effectively. And we were all just like watching this like, is this real? Is this really happening? Meanwhile, we've got all these people causing these like minor cases of drama. Sometimes more, sometimes not so minor. I mean, literally, Damon, Damon giggling. Everybody was just like, the fuck, dude? I uh, wasn't surprised, honestly. Like it happened and I was like, I mean, you guys invited him. What did you, what did you think was going to happen? You know, like, did you think honestly, he was just going to sit there? You know, like, come I on. I think my, the funniest thing was at that point, my, my brain thought was, who even let him in? And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is his wife. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't even go here. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. He, like, goes here the most. Yeah, it's like you're able to you're able to get into this funeral on a technicality, you know, because you happen to be married to the person who's dead, you know. <laughs> you're lucky she thought you were cute. Exactly. <laughs> so I do have a question, though. What the fuck was Helena doing with that spider? Listen, I know in the text that she is described as like a little bit off, but the show I feel is making her a lot more quote unquote off than she was ever described in the book. I mean, I just reread Fire and Blood and I double checked the wiki to make sure I wasn't missing anything major. And yeah, she she was kind of, she didn't super belong she wasn't this much of a black sheep. What was she doing with that spider? I just, I feel like they're relegating her to patch face territory at this rate because she's constantly making these odd little comments that, I I mean, she said the thing about Eamon's eye in the last episode when he came to complain to his mother about the pig thing, you know, and not having a dragon. And it's like, what are we trying to do here? I think they're trying to push her in a Danny's the Dreamer sort of route. Because, mm. like, the whole thing is that, you know, she dreamed the fall of Valyria, and it's the reason her father brought the Targaryens to Westeros. So I think they're sort of doing the same thing with Helena and sort of doing, like, a, oh, she's weird because she's got connection to magic and she can't help it. Whereas I'm just like, let the bug girl vibe. Like, you don't need to make her a prophetic bug girl. Just let her 
just let her hang out with bugs. Like, she's having a good time. Just let her play with spiders. I really need to try to figure out a way to create a meme of Helena playing with a creepy crawler's machine. Oh my god. That might be the meme I make for this episode, even though it's the, it's like the least of the least things that happened. In this the most of the most impact though. Like Helena <laughs> a lot. I just I just enjoy her. She's just a weirdo being a weirdo, and I'm just here for that. Yeah, you gotta appreciate that. We're here for cute girls who like weird shit. I feel like Helena should team up with the pig that should have been Eamon's um, dragon, and they should do a Charlotte's Web reenactment. <laughs> I don't disagree. I, I just Game of Thrones Thrones style. Helena's Helena's web. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> One more thing about the funeral before we go on to the next hot take. I just want to say thank you, Damon, for getting that one cut in on Otto because Otto kind of tries to say hi to him or maybe he tries to give his condolences and Damon's like, no matter how fat the leech grows, it's always ready for another meal. And I was just like, (laughs) you know, man, again, it's like this is like my love hate relationship with Damon, right? Because he he is like my favorite character of this show so far and it's not because i agree with the things he does but the way he does things is just fucking powerful you know like he's someone who's like loud and out of control but bro when that guy says like like he did this line just very calm and just like whatever i'm like that's fucking powerful you know like i love that dude we we I mean, love it when a when a lad knows his dramatic timing and and Damon certainly does. Although he does. sometimes he does giggle in the middle of funerals. And I guess you know you win some, you lose some. He's just one of the. He's just like one of these chaotic personalities where it's like, you know, yeah, you don't agree with him, but every now and then he fucking says something or does something where you're like, fuck. Yeah, I mean, I hate that I fucking agree with you. But yeah, I fucking agree with you. Like his 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 kind of outlook on fucking life, you know, where it's just like, like fuck this bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone is they all compartmentalizing these little fucking they're like little puppets, and he's just like, fuck that shit. You know, I'm gonna go fucking to the whorehouse or whatever the fuck, you know, and do my own shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna go cut fucking crab man in half. I'll be right back. You know, like just shit like that, where it's like. You know, like you got to respect that shit, man, you know, because it's not like there's a lot of people that I know that they like they admire power, right? People who are fucking powerful. But Damon is not fucking powerful. He's not, you know, and not intimidating. The guy's he looks like 80 pounds soaking wet. You know what I'm saying? But there's just something that he's like, you know, he's 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 not like a blunt fucking instrument. Right. Like I find Damon like to me, I find Damon more terrifying than I would like the mountain. Right. Because the mountain is just okay. You're just a fucking meathead. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, sure. You can bash me over the head with something. But with like Damon, it's like he's like a surgical blade. Right. Like he's not going to make a mess, but he's going to get the job done. You know, like I I don't know. It's different. I would like to posit that Damon is, in fact, both a meathead and a surgical blade. And you don't know which one you're going to get. That is very true. Yeah, that is true. That is. And you do not know which Damon will emerge. Sometimes it might be sassy Damon who calls Otto a leech and fucking like YOLOs it out of there. Sometime yep. it's I'm a family man, Damon, who's like, who who's like, hey, my brother's weak, and I'm not saying this to be a dick, but I'm saying this because I want to protect him. And then sometimes it's just 
Angie Damon. And he's like, Viserys wants to help me, so I'm gonna die. <laughs> and and I think that's why we like him, because he's all of our crackhead instincts to, what if we just did the first thing that popped up in my head? Mm. And that is what Damon is. Also, I think the other reason we enjoy Damon is because we don't expect him to be good. We expect him to be awful, but exciting about it. That is something that we'll touch on at the end of the episode. But for now, hot take number two, think of the children! A.K.A. will no one listen to Rainies like ever? So, ugh. God, poor Rainies. Like, ugh. Rainies calling out Corliss for still pursuing the crown through his children when she gave up caring about it long ago. I feel you, girl. I feel you. But also, you know, to be fair, Corliss is right in that if they announced Jeff Mark passing to Bela, no matter how they played it, people would side-eye the choice as having something to do with Rhaenyra's son's parentage. It's something we have touched on in past episodes because Rainey's is bringing hot takes on her own. And like, honestly, 10 out of 10 Targ eyebrows for her constant just, I'm not keeping my mouth shut. I'm telling you what I feel, hubby. But nobody ever listens to her. And in this situation, it's like, I both understand what she wants and is trying to get at. And also I'm like, uh, but I don't know that that would be the best course of action, but also it would possibly protect your granddaughters when you're seeing, you know, you're looking at this both from the outside and from the inside, right? And you're seeing that there's no way you can really protect your grandsons at this point. Grandsons, quote unquote. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that I feel like this might actually be the first time, at least in regards to wanting Bela to inherit, that Rainey's is fully wrong. And like, so like, you know, if this was later on, in the story so no spoilers there but if if shit is already hitting the fan and people are actively infighting and she wanted this they're not oh i, I was to say there are they are actively infighting but that happens slightly later in the episode i guess <laughs> yeah but like but like if 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 that had already happened and maybe she was like this maybe i could see it more but like she's not there isn't enough conflict there isn't enough actual no if that makes sense. Like, because anything she, anything that she did, did which was, like, pro-Bela inheriting would be effectively disinheriting the, her grandsons. And, like, she knows that. And I think this is the first time she is actively wrong and selfish. And I kind of love to see that for her. Because, like, in a way, this was sort of, like, a full circle moment from her coming, like, from her from her being like, I stopped caring about my power and like being the queen, but I'm going to be selfish about my granddaughters here. And I just, I enjoyed how incredibly wrong she was, if that makes sense. I mean, she's just awesome. There's nothing I can really add to that. You know? <laughs> I'm so incredibly sad that she didn't have her white hair with her one Targaryen streak from the books. Black, black hair. Yeah. Black hair with the one Targaryen streak for, for, Rainies would have that'd be awesome and it also like it also would have made a little bit more sense i think nami you said this in our pre-episode chat for the kids oh, yeah. like it would have made it a little less obvious yeah it would have made the kids make like two percent more sense but like they still they still don't but like yeah. that's fine but like it would have also it, it does lore break 
for us in terms of the Baratheon seed is strong mm. because the whole reason she has dark hair is because she is half Baratheon. And then the whole reason, one of the reasons that like John Aaron in Ye Old Game of Thrones is the one who's like, oh, the seed is strong is because he looks at Rainey's as an example. And he's like, wow, Baratheon blood even overpowered the Targaryen blood. How suspicious. And just... But apparently, all you need to do to overpower the Targaryen blonde is be a uh, strong. <laughs> the seed is strong, would you say? <laughs> I would say. I would say. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Hot take number three. The incest we've all, or maybe just Rhaenyra's, been waiting for. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into this, right? There's the whole conversation between Damon and Rhaenyra on the beach where Rhaenyra is telling him that she and Lenor did try for kids, but to no avail. She says there was no joy in it. And I'm wondering if by her saying there was no joy in it, if she is sort of kindly putting it on Lenor not being interested and therefore not being able to truly consummate that's just me positing something there being no joy in it i don't know Rhaenyra. are you trying to say that it wasn't enjoyed by the person who it was necessary for it to be enjoyed by for there to be children produced I don't know. Do we curse all this show? Do we? Yes. We oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Because I had three seconds of like you inching around that. And I'm like, is this, yeah, for, yeah. Is this for comedy's sake? Or is this for like. <laughs> no, it's for comedy. <laughs> it's for comedy. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. Because my whole thought was like, yeah, she was like, yeah, he can't get it up. Yeah. That was, that yeah. was what I heard. And also at the same time, I'm like, listen, girl, everyone looks the same from the back. Y'all could have tried harder. <laughs> You know, I, I agree with that 100%, man. You know, it's, I mean, y- you have to be a special person to at least not enjoy some of it. You know, I mean, come on. No, but end, I mean, like, know? if you are not in into a specific gender, if that is not your inclination, like, sometimes people just can't. Like, that is how it is. If that's what she's saying, like, totally get it. But also, I feel like, I don't know, the fear of fully ruining the legacy of your queendom might, I don't know, drive you guys to figure out a compromise or some way to get around it. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It seems like I do find it interesting that they're like, yeah, we tried, but like it sucked. But it also just sort of seems like also a little bit like kids not really knowing what they're doing and then just sort of phoning it in because I don't know, man, goose and duck, like ugh, goose and duck difficult. (laughs) So the other thing I wanted to ask, about Rhaenyra specifically was do you guys think she was just curious about Damon's relationship with Lena or is she jealous because she asks Damon did you love her and he says we are happy enough and you know she says well that in and of itself is a great achievement but the question asking that question the way it was posited it makes me wonder specifically because of what happens next whether she was kind of hoping that he would say no. <laughs> I feel like it was definitely a cross between the two. I think it probably was a curiosity thing, but there's definitely like a jealousy thing there, you know, because she really got upset when she was talking to him and like, you left me all these years ago and look at my life and all this kind of shit. I think there was definitely some bitter jealousy going on there. I don't know if I would even say it was jealousy though. I thought it was more bitterness 
than jealousy, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know that she was specifically jealous that Damon got married because the whole time she knew Damon, he was married. Like, I don't think that was like a weird thing for her. I think her whole thing was feeling abandoned and feeling uncared for. And like Damon had be- had become such a rock for her despite how little we see, but like that is what had happened. And so when he basically leaves her just as she enters this wedding and she expects him to stay around, even though why she expects that when all he does is leave is I don't, I don't know, but I don't really know that I read that as jealousy. I read it as curiosity with a shit ton of bitterness. Also, I think the other thing is that I don't know that Rhaenyra has the depth to feel jealous, if this makes sense. And I and I say this in a very specific way because I don't think it even occurs to her that like it would matter that he cared about Lena too. Because she's like, I'm the one who's here now. She strikes me as like that kind of practical type of person. Mm-hmm. And I think for her, it's just the bitterness that he was gone in the first place, but he's back now. So who cares? Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that, definitely. Well, ew, though. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. in the end, ew, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dean, God. when we were watching this, Dean, he must have said it at least three times. These people are disgusting. It was probably more than that. So they, you know, Rhaenyra just makes a move, kisses Unky Damon over here, Unky Matt Damon, oh. and ew, and then they have their sex scene this show really likes these sex scenes where they show them taking off every piece of clothing very slowly i'm not complaining because i feel like both times this has happened it has been really beautifully shot it has shown that that both of the people who are involved were it was consensual they were interested in each other etc but i still think it's very funny because my god if you're just very slowly stripping off each piece of clothing in the first scene with Rhaenyra and Kristen, where she is all hot and bothered, and I don't think he's necessarily thought about it all that much, but has also been celibate for a long time. And then in this case, Rhaenyra and Damon have both wanted each other for a long time, right? And they're just like, let me peel off my stockings. Let me unlace this little bit and this other little bit. And listen, it's it's historically accurate in terms of clothing. I get that. And again, not complaining because I do think it's they're, they've been very beautifully shot. But it's also just funny. By the well, time you get through all that clothing, you know. <laughs> I extra, well, I extra thought it made sense with the crispy rat scene. Because Chris Coleslaw... Um, have you ever tried to like take off a lot of armor at once? Cause it does not happen fast. It no, does yeah. take that long. It is yikes. You, like if you, if you got armor and you want to fuck, like you're not fucking for another hour, like relax, yep. bud. Yep. Um, but like in this one, to me, the slowness in this scene made it feel more intimate than the crisp scene. Because even though they were slow in that scene, it read slowness because armor takes a long time to take off. And this read slowness because we want to be slow with each other. That was like where I got the difference there. Also, it's very obvious that men did not direct these scenes. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. As somebody who has had a couple situations where I waited a long time for that first thing to happen... I didn't want it to be slow, right? Obviously, in future instances, yeah, sure, it can be super sexy. But man, that first time, no. I'm not even wearing underwear to that, okay? Yeah. (laughs) 
you know, I think with like number one, if I lived in in Westeros, like I'm I'm never having sex. Like, look, if I have to put this stuff on and you know, I got to take it off, and like the first thing I thought about was that when like Rhaenyra woke up in the sand, I'm like, girl, who's gonna tie the back part of your dress? You know, that like, how, was my plug too. I was like, how how are you gonna do that? You know, like, oh my god, and like you have to go through. Like, I will say this. Look, again, this show what it's doing for me number one because like i'm not a fan of like sex scenes and all this kind of bullshit like it's cool when it's like in context but there's just like a lot of scenes where i'm just like like in the original game of thrones where i'm like you know what man fuck like okay i get it all right here's titties okay great keep going like whatever what happens next right so i really feel they do a really great job like that like the undressing scene there's like an anticipation there that i think is just done very well and again the fact that they don't show a lot also is what it's what I feel this show gets so much better than 99% of the shows that I watch. It's that it just uses a very minimal amount to get your brain going. That's it. You know, your brain finishes it. It's just letting you know the clothes are coming off and they're going to have sex. You don't have to be like super like gratuitous about it if it's not like story driven or anything like that. It's And I just think they just do such a good job with so little, you know, they just give you a little bit and they let your brain do the work. In a way, I also extra like the contrast between the scenes that Rhaenyra has had when she has been the one having sex versus the scene that Alicent had when she was the one having sex versus the scenes in the whorehouses with Damon. You can tell every single time like the different vibes the different consent levels the different level of freedom of the people involved in everything and it, it's very good storytelling with something that could just be hey look titties like it was in game of thrones so it's mm -hmm. like they actually made the sex scene serve a purpose now which is great also when rhaenyra sits up and you don't see damon in the scene for the second i'm like dude just did not just leave her in the sand because he will not be able to lace that dress back up that was my main yep. concern i was like yeah. not even worried that he might have just left her like one night stand style i was like no he has to lace up her dress like, I'm like a big clothes guy right i am just really into clothes and that was like same. the first thing that that i thought about I was like, not the, yeah, you're right. Same thing. Not the fact that she was just abandoned there. I'm just like, girl, how are you going to get that tied back up again? Like, yeah, you're no, by I, yourself, you know? The like, thing that stuck out to me the most this scene was actually, like, the fact that, like, they get it on without fully taking her dress off. Because I'm like, there's no way they're getting it back mm, on. They know no. that. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is practical. <laughs> The other thing with Damon and Rhaenyra is that I am so used to like, the extra incest hate of like Cersei and Jamie that this is like weirdly mm. wholesome by comparison. And I say that with incredible concern because it still involves incest and grooming. And I'm like, yes, it's more <laughs> wholesome than, uh, than twin incest and attempted child murder. It's really what wild. Yeah. It's really wild to watch, you know, because there's scenes when they're taking off each other's clothes. It's so, like, sensual and gentle. I wouldn't even say it's even so much sensual because it's not really sexy. It's just very lovingly, you know? Yes, it's very loving. And I think that's problematic for me, you know, because it's like... <laughs> yeah! It's like, that's really sweet and all that you're doing that shit and you're fucking being all nice and, like, but in the end, bro... Bro, like, it's being shot in a way that's like encouraging me to ship it, and then my brain is going, No, no, yeah, exactly. Ex yeah, because you kind of like you, you kind of get lost when you're watching it. You're like, Uh, wait, no, ew, stop, no, yeah, gross. Yeah. Like, like, what are you doing? This whole episode was me being like, Oh my god, she's getting her man. Wait, her man's her uncle who groomed her. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, she 
it's uh-huh. happening. Wait, no, he he specifically ran away so he wouldn't sleep with his teenage niece. This isn't cute. Wait, oh my god, they're together. They're getting married. Wait, this is incredibly fucked up. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. The the emotional whiplash of Damon and Rhaenyra is something that I will always enjoy and just yep. sort of stare politely at with concern because remember when we had morals before Game of Thrones? <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, hot take number four. Apparently it's okay to tell someone to calm down if you do it in High Valyrian. <laughs> but I will give Eamon this. He has some balls. The most gigantic balls. Yeah. As I'm watching this scene last night, I was like, what is he saying? Now, some some things were obvious when he when he tells her to fly, right? I, I don't know for sure what Daharis means, but I think it means like obey or listen. But Likiri was a new word, and I was like, what, what does that mean? So I looked it up, and yes, it literally means calm down. And lol, you are telling this girl, Vagar. This hundreds-year-old dragon to calm down. Oh, oh boy. I respect your balls. The other thing to know, Manny, so this is, like, significant for, like, the history of the show, but Vagar is the oldest living dragon, and it was also the dragon that was used in the original Conquest. So it was the one of three dragons that Aegon and his two sisters rode, and then they were mm. like, fuck you, Westeros, we rule you now. And mm. so, like, his warrior sister queen rode this dragon. This dragon is the last living dragon that old. The other dragon that old just died. This dragon was Valerian, the Black Dread. Viserys basically rode this dragon, like, twice around King's Landing. And then he was like, all right, I'm worried he's going to fall asleep while I'm riding. So, like, we done. <laughs> That's why Viserys doesn't have a dragon, because he technically had the biggest boy. This kid getting Vagar is a really fucking big deal. Because Vagar, she old, and she she don't take nobody's shit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because okay. she was specifically the, like, legendary warrior queen, Targaryen's dragon. She's the big boss. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So I also found out, like, while looking through, like, miscellaneous shit posts today, that apparently there was a scene with baby Lena in episode two claiming Vagar. And I'm, like, so grumpy that they didn't give her that scene because it makes Amon seem more like a big deal. But I'm like, a six-year-old girl did it. So, like, get off your high horse, bud. Yeah. My salt towards this child is high. It's also because they cast him very perfectly and he just has a very punchable face. Or one would say, stabbable face. Yes. But... That said, before we get into that, the dragon riding scene was too cute for this show, to be it honest. Was. Oh my god, it was so adorable. He he does his little, like, whoop of joy, and I'm like, oh! And then three seconds later, I'm like, did you just all over fucking Aven? Just stop it! That scene, honestly, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, that scene kind of pulled me out of the show. Like, out, out of the scene. Like, it was cool, but it was, it was like a little too never-ending story for me. You know what I'm it saying? was a little Where, too happy for Game of Thrones. Yeah, you know, like I was kind of hoping it would. I don't know, man. Look, but I, you know, whatever. I didn't write the show. I don't. I'm not a director. Them do their job. Honestly, the scene just felt a little. It felt a little Disney to me. Like I just felt like I was 
oh this this is like like when i watched it i was like this is something that i know that i would i could see in some live action disney show about dragons or something like that like i had mentioned like in, in a few episodes prior or whatnot was that that was my biggest worry about with them having so many dragons on the show is that it's like the cat's out of the bag now you know when the dragons came out in game of thrones it was a huge ordeal and it was like holy shit here we go right like it's fucking crazy but now it's like man everyone's fucking got a dragon i got my dragon parked over here i got the fucking meter going with my dragon over here what kind of dragon did you get this year did you upgrade you know what i'm saying so it's like it's like part of the magic for me is like not that they're doing it bad they are doing it good and again i am just being like a nitpicky little bitch here although they did do the good opening scene with that one right you know the old dragon he's trying to grab it like i thought that was cool but again, it just reminded me of something that I would have seen like in a, you know, in some kind of Disney fairy tale story or something like that. You know, there was a little bit of a disconnect for me there. It wasn't a bad scene at all. I'm not going to I'm not going to shit on them for that. It, it wasn't a bad scene, but just for me personally, because I'm being nitpicky little bitch. I mean, I will say it was incongruously happy, which yeah. in fairness for Amon, it was absurdly happy. That's the happiest that child has ever been and the happiest he ever will be. So in a way, <laughs> highly effective. Listen, child, you get one joy, and this is it. Congrats. This is it. That's it's it. Gone. Yeah, he does get that one joy because hot take number five. It's all fun and games till somebody loses an eye. Oof. I really love what they did with this situation, right? As soon as the twins went to wake up Jason Luke and were like, somebody stole Vagar. I was like, oh, this is gonna be different i think in fire and blood it's very vague but it's kind of described rhaenyra's boys attacked aemond for taking vagar almost without provocation because this isn't their dragon right they both have dragons why would they do this so it was very interesting that they brought the girls into it to this extent they had more agency in the whole kerfluffle uh but also what the fuck aemond shoving and hitting a girl and acting like he's going to bash his nephew's heads in with a rock. Too far like, with the bastard comments. I just, whoa, dude. You know, it's it's one of those things where, like, this whole time we've seen that, like, Aegon's kind of, like, Aegon just wants to masturbate out a window. And Aemon's, like, a shithead. Like, we, we've seen that this whole time. Like, Aemon is kind of the dicky one. And Loki, I'm going to say it now because... Because I have to say it, he's got Severus Snape complex, you know? He's been bullied, and he's like, now I can do what I want because I was bullied. And it's like, no, nah, bitch, sit down. But, like, it wasn't even the fact that, like, he shoved Reyna. He shoves Reyna when she's like, that was supposed to be my dragon. I was going to claim her. And so, like, he shoves her, and I'm like, yep, that tracks. And then when Bela, like, shoves him and he punches her back, I'm like, yep, this also tracks. The part where he picks up the rock, though, I'm like, kid, are you really about to do a, do mm -hmm. a murder? But I think the other thing, though, is that, like, us reading into it, we can read into it as much as we want. But, like, when you're a kid in a fight, you don't think, oh, this rock's going to kill this kid. You think, I will hurt him more. And so Luke isn't going in there when he picks up the knife, like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to stab his eye out. I'm going to maim him. He's like, I'm going to hurt him more. And that's what he's doing when he's picking up the rock. Like, like he's a little shit. That's obviously correct. But kids are pretty savage when they get down to it. And the other thing is that the reason kids are savage is because they often don't know the limit that, like, many adults would stop at. If it was Kristen Cole picking up that rock, I would have been like, that dick wants to do a murder. But when Eamon picks up that rock, to me, it was like, 
his bullies are bullying him back and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt them more as terrible as it sounds, as much as I hate that little shit of a child, because I do, I do not like him. I want to shake him. He also looks like an inbred Draco Malfoy. And that makes me wish to shake him even more. And I say that very kindly because I'm sure the actor is a perfectly cute little boy. However, with the blonde hair, that is the look. And I apologize to this child for shitting on him like this. <laughs> All of it together, as much as I want to be like, he was there with like malicious intent. He's like a solid, what, like 12 to 15 and he's comfort and he's confronting his childhood bully. Like he's not thinking that hard. He is angry. He angry. He found big rock. He can get bully back. Being like a dude when I was little, I can definitely attest to that, that like we we didn't know any limits back then. It's not like we were trying to kill each other. It's just that we just wanted to hurt them more than, than they were hurting us. And we're also raised to like be like that, right? You're raised to like fight back and to be more powerful than the other people and and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's that's how I saw it. I don't think he was like legitimately trying to like kill these people. He just wanted to fuck him up pretty much and he fucked around and found out in the end it's like look bro that's just like the rules of the street right you can come at with all that good shit you know what i'm saying but when you get fucking stabbed or gutted or something it's like look dude you you asked for that shit you know you started it you walk into a fight and that's why i think growing up i always avoided fights because i'd seen so many and i'm like look dude you never know what you're getting into and you think you're gonna be tough and the next thing you know, you're going to be eating some lead or like, you know, taking a, a nice little shank to the stomach. And I'm like, you know what? No. Nope. When you get into a fight, you best understand that it's possible that you are, are going to get an eye cut out after you hit someone in the face with rocks at times. It's possible. Yeah. He did go too far with the bastard comments, though. He fucked around and he, he found, found out. out. When you're a kid and somebody's been repeating that shit around you all your life you repeat shit without always knowing what it means and even if you do know what it means you may not always know the implications of what it means or like really get it that's what kids do this is i would like to absolutely clarify this is not not be defending amond amond is a little shit and he's on my shit list and i will put him in the the shit pile that the dragons made full of dragon shit that's where he belongs however little kid logic can't say i disagree with him now if this was agon dropping the bastard comment i'd be like that's almost an adult that one knows what he's doing you know whenever allicent does it i'm just like fucking die when chris bratt did it last episode i was like you deserve to have your face crushed by my strong mans what a handsome mans why didn't he stay more <laughs> one of my favorite back and forth from game of thrones ever was with Tyrion. when Tyrion meets Jon snow he calls him a bastard Jon Snow gets all like fucking weirded out and he's like, oh, did I offend you? He's like, let me do. He's like, you know, do yourself a favor and just wear it like a bad honor. So that way it can never be against you. That's a piece of television advice that I have taken the entire time ever since I saw that. But someone will fucking say shit. I'm like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Whatever. So then he gets his eyes sliced. Like you said, fuck around and find out. Yep. Found out. Mm hmm. And we get into hot take number six, knives out. Because nothing brings a family together like a good physical maiming. Hell yeah. <laughs> Everything about this scene was just like, Jesus Christ, what is going on? This isn't in any sort of specific order necessarily, but 
the shouting children arguing with each other about who did what was just like grating on my nerves because I'm literally picturing my nieces and nephews doing that because I've seen it happen because there are five of them. So there's a lot of little kids just shouting and arguing and we never do actually get the full story. It's sad in such a hilarious way because like when kids like that fight like that, you never will get the full story. Even if they actually sat down and everyone said their point of view, you still would not get the full story. That's why I loved the way Viserys handled it. He was like, all right, everyone just fucking apologize and we're just going to fucking move on with it. Look, I got four kids, dude. I've been in that situation. Mandy, what if your kids chopped out your other kid's eye? No, I mean, they haven't done that kind of damage. I mean, they've done some damage, just nothing that permanent, some scarring and stuff, you know, but... It makes me think the- of, like, my mom and her little brother fighting, because my mom has broken both of her elbows because of her little brother. That's crazy. Kids just be kids. And did you know that if you fight on a bed and then you push somebody off the bed, that somebody might land wrong and break an elbow? Or if you're racing yeah. bikes and you, like, throw shit at each other, somebody's bike might bounce wrong and you might break another elbow? My sisters and I are all super fine now, obviously, but as teenagers, dude, we were brutal with each other. Sisters are usually worse. So <laughs> this is why oh, I don't want children. They're scary, okay? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's how you this is why I'm glad my stepchildren are so far apart in age that nothing like that will ever happen. <laughs> this, is, this is how you lose an eye by having yeah. children. That was the first <laughs> Yep. Yep. So we never get the full story. Meanwhile, Allison went off that deep end last week, and now she is tying bricks to her own feet or something because, wow, just going to go through the litany of things that happen with her in this scene. She hits and screams at her oldest son, Aegon, in front of everybody. She straight up calls out Laner's absence saying he must be off entertaining his young squires. Yeah. She demands of the king that he meet out justice after he's already said no and just wants everybody to calm down. And then she grabs the dagger to do the thing herself. So she's about to go attack and maim a child and has this physical altercation with Rhaenyra. And the only reason she kind of comes to her senses is when she cuts Rhaenyra's arm like slices Rhaenyra's arm open and Rhaenyra's right Alicent looked so bad here yep the part where she's just like now they see you for who you truly are I'm just like damn girl how big Rhaenyra's dick was right then yeah (laughs) (laughs) damn i up until now there was always this moment of like alicent i get you and it wasn't until obviously i hate alicent alicent can die she fucked up first she she knew what her father was asking of her when she went to see the king like that and she could have told rhaenyra that her father was making her do this and Rhaenyra would have been upset but gotten it because for her father also makes her do things she doesn't like. It could have been figured out there. But the moment where she is like, please maim your six-year-old for me because that is even, I'm like, what the fuck? The other thing is I get being a mom and being so illogically upset that your kid has gotten hurt like this and like wanting some sort of reaction and being upset with Viserys for not doing anything because Viserys while he was 
technically correct in the spirit of what he was trying to do, he was again a wet blanket and a useless wet blanket. He was just flopping around and being like, I will make no one happy. And she was right to want something more, to want the kids to be punished, to want something to happen. But the minute she was like, maim your child, maim your grandchild, maim my grandchild, technically, that was the moment where I was like, I lost her. Lost her completely. Even last episode where she goes off the deep end when she finds out what creepy finger has done for her she's horrified because that's not what she wants like she still has that goodness in her at that moment but like in this episode like when she asks for luke's eye that's like the moment where she like has fully broke and fucking yeah that whole scene with her was was really off the chain because it's like the kids definitely deserved some kind of punishment, right? This was the scene where I really identified like King, right? Where I was just like, because, you know, you have a bunch of kids. They're all telling different stories. It's like, you know what, dude? Fucking whatever. You guys and they just fucking apologize to each other and fucking forget about it. And let's fucking keep moving, right? He lost an eye. Okay, well, somebody fucked around. Okay, and that's where this is what fucking happens. Okay, now you learned your lessons, right? No one's going to get any more eyes cut out. You know, and if it happens again, then, yeah, you know, I'm going to fucking take my one good arm and I want to fucking start spanking asses. Right. But with her, man, I mean, she really, yeah, she just kind of like went off the deep end on this one. You really like, look, I've had people bully my children. okay, and believe me, as much as I wanted to taste their blood, you know what I'm saying? It's like, bro, in the end, that's a kid. Leave the fucking kid alone. And with her, it's like, dude. You want to take out the eye of a fucking and then asking her fucking knight to do it. Like also, that's even more fucked up. Go do it. your fucking self, woman. You're going to fucking tell your fucking knight to go take the kid's fucking eye out. Fuck that shit. I didn't like her in that scene. You've always kind of like felt for her. And I didn't understand the fucking thing with like Otto also where he was all like, oh, I didn't realize you had this kind of fucking <sighs> like shit. It's yeah. like, what are you talking about? Like, you're a sneaky son of a bitch. And she was being like a belligerent, crazy person. You know what I'm saying? These are two completely different frames of thoughts here, dude. I think it was mostly that he didn't think she had it in her to fight for her children that way. And it maybe didn't happen the way he would have wanted it to. But at this point, he's also been dismissed and brought back in. So his sneakiness and his ideas about how to go about things might have evolved in the time frame between when he was dismissed and, and now. Yeah. I think for him, it was like the huge contrast of seeing his spineless daughter have a spine, even though it was a crazy spine. Mm-hmm. It was still a spine. It was a batshit insane spine. He was like, you you even had a spine? Mm-hmm. I, I'm so sorry. He's going to have a field day with her now, too, right? Because he knows what she's actually capable of. And he's like, oh, now I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to be the fucking wind behind those fucking sails and watch her do some real fucked up shit now. At least we did get at the end of this whole Knives Out family drama, Eamon's infamous, I may have lost an eye, but I gained a dragon line. Nice. Also, I got to agree with him and ugh, good old Otto. More than a fair trade, especially as this freaking Vagar. He wins, he gets Vagar. So last but not least, hot take number seven. Welcome to our TED Talk on how to unbury your gaze. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to just kick this off with, here's the thing. It did not show Rhaenyra straight up 
asking or telling Damon to kill Lanor. So my question is, did Damon decide to spare Lanor of his own accord, or was there further conversation between them after the fact, or did he just know that wouldn't be what she really wanted? So I have a hella strong opinion on this, which is it was her plan to not actually kill Lanor. Because I think especially in the scene that they just had when Lanor is like, I have truly fucked up and I am going to show up for you and I am going to try again and I'm going to do it right this time. I think her turning around and being like, yeah, no, just kill him is such a, it's against everything she's shown us. And like, she's the one who extended the hand to Lane or she's the one who brought up geese and ducks and roasts. We do know one thing. It's that Rhaenyra and Marjorie Tyrell, they're holding hands because they're the only true allies in all of Westeros. I really feel like she did not have him killed. Like, she went up to him and said, hey, I'm going to give you the perfect out out of this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because that's the kind of person that Rhaenyra comes off like to me. They were really, like, the perfect couple. Like, they were just like, hey, we can do our own thing. Like, you want to do this? Go do this. So the fact that they even had that in place wouldn't make sense that she would just go off and kill him. It would make more sense to me that she would sit him down and say, hey, look, this is what I want to do. And this is what's going on. And check this out. We can fake your death. And then you can go run off with your guy. That just seems more like Rhaenyra to me. Regardless of like the other shitty things that she has done and like the way that she's lied to Alicent up until now. And like, you know, the like vaguely like sketchy shit that Rhaenyra has done in anything. There is nothing in her character to say that she would behave this way to Lanor. Yeah. Because Lenor has been her ally. I think the other thing is that, like, the sort of, um, like, over the audio overlap that you get of it over top is when the fight starts, Damon says, and Rhaenyra's like, you know that what our enemies will think of us. And Damon goes, we will know the truth. But out, but but our enemies will always wonder. And because that is like sort of framed as being in their initial conversation. What I took that to mean is that that conversation was had with the implied undertext of Rhaenyra being like, he's not actually going to die. And Damon being like, of course not. We would never do that. But our enemies will wonder, but we will know the truth. And that's why when Lenor showed up in the end, I like rewound and watched that scene with those two again. And I was like, ah, yep, yep. This was a plot the whole time. And I also had to rewatch because I had a moment where I was like, I was like, it was a blonde that killed that random dude in the hall, right? Because like at that point, I was just like, why is why is Damon just killing a random dude in the hall? Like, go off, I guess. He hasn't done a crime this episode so sure yeah. <laughs> also that yep. poor random dude that just gets his neck stacked. wrong place wrong, time, the end wrong, of his... wrong skin color sorry it was, yeah and you know it was probably like the end of his shifts too and he's like Fuck, finally man i gotta get home and like feed the kids and... i loved that scene so much because it did exactly what i hoped this show would do for fire and blood because I'm a fake fan. I've read portions of Fire and Blood, but I haven't finished it yet. And I have read the Wikipedia extensively. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fake geek girl. Don't worry about it, kids. The one thing that I very remember standing out to me was the fact that the only thing you know about Lenor's death is that he, him and Lena die very close to each other, time-wise. Because Damon and Rhaenyra get remarried six months after both of them have been dead. I remember that. And I also so six remember- months, not like a day. <laughs> not a yeah. day. Not quite. But so I also remember them saying that he had a feud with his boy toy at the time and they were down like and they and they started fighting and the boy toy kills him and then Corliss pulls out like 
like a reward for the boy toy's head, but like nothing really comes of it. And the maesters are like, and yep, he died. And that is what we know. And that's like what like the canonical history says about what we know. Then there's also like the speculative part, speculation that is noted in the history as speculation Mm -hmm. that Damon had him killed to marry Rhaenyra. They managed to put this together. They like fit all the puzzle pieces together in the perfect way to make it both coincide with the book exactly, but also give your little space here for Laner to mm-hmm. go be free, which is amazing because the only thing that really pissed me off about the show up until this point was the way that Joffrey died because I get their whole reasoning. They want a dramatic wedding, but there's no way that a guard will get to just randomly murder a whole ass dude in a wedding and still continue to be a guard. That makes no logical sense. Kristen Cole straight up hate crimed this guy on the floor and it was terrible because it is bury your gaze in the most traumatic of ways. And that was my biggest frustration with the show. And they redeemed themselves in my eyes by giving the, the gays their happy ending, even though poor Joffrey is forever buried, but his boy toy is happy now. I just really hope that Lenor does get to just stay across the narrow sea living his life and not come back as future characters who well, might history, look like him. I'm not saying anything more about that, but... But the history doesn't mention him again. I think if the show tries to bring him back in any way, they'd be shooting themselves in the feet because they yeah. did something very very well here they did the exact reading in between the lines with like the subversive like plot twist that we want to see like they did that writing mm-hmm. here and they executed it damn near perfectly when they showed Lenor getting into that boat at the end yes. i was like wait a minute wait a minute he looks super familiar yes you see carl getting in the boat and then it, it focuses on Lenor, and i'm like oh shit he shaved his head yeah i really like that scene when he gets in the boat and they like show him man like how good was that the only thing i looked at my television and i was like look dude happy trails friend happy trails just good luck i was so happy here's to a good life man and just live long it was really awesome to see that and yes in that same instance i really hope i never see him again on television Mm -hmm. you know what go give him his fuck everybody else we all know what's gonna fucking happen it's game of thrones everyone's gonna have everything's gonna get fucked up just let somebody just have the fucking happy ending there, you know? Mm-hmm. He's Arya, right? He's sailing west of Westeros or yeah. something. I don't care. Or I don't care where he goes as long as we never see him again. And I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, because yes. I really, I, I I like his character. I love his character. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the actor. I'm a fantastic. But this is one of those, man, I really don't want to see you go, but you got to go. You just never come back here because they'll probably take your head. Or I was dreading this episode this week i had a lot of anxiety about watching this episode because i knew he was going to die and i expected we were going to see him and carl fighting and like slowly devolving and seeing their relationship get shitty and rocky and like see that fall apart and then see him get brutally murdered by his lover like i was fucking dreading it and having it happen this way instead it was just it was everything i could have hoped for without hoping because it's game of thrones and why would i ever hope well and it didn't help that 
even leading into the scene, you don't know for sure until the end. The way Damon approaches Carl in his black hooded cloak, fucking Kermit the Frog. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Darth Damon cloak. Like, oh, man. Every nice. time Damon goes to do something bad, he just, that's how you know he's going to do something he shouldn't do, is because he's got this fucking black hooded cloak. <laughs> Darth Damon cloak on. I ship Lanor in happiness and Lanor on that tiny ship and i maintain that the absolute funniest thing about that scene was just everyone being so okay with damon committing random crimes that we didn't even think it was suspicious that he just randomly cuts a dude's neck in the middle of an unrelated scheme and we're just like yeah okay he does that okay laner is dead cool and then it isn't until laner shows up in the boat that i was like oh shit it was the scheme scheme mcschemerson damon over here oh yeah Oh, yeah. Darth Damon cloak. Whatever. I'm just glad Leonard didn't die. I'm happy about that. Me too. Like, just bless him. I'm fucking glad that he's just out of there. Like, just you just mm-hmm. getting the fuck out, dude. I love it. There's going to be at least one survivor from all this bullshit, and it's fucking him, and I love it. Let's do our favorites roundup. So the general rule with our favorites roundup has been Nami as guest gets to do more than one thing. Manny and I are supposed to only do one thing, but really I think that's impossible. So I'm just going to kick it off by saying my favorite thing was mobile igloo sighting. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I saw that. I was like, here we go. We're going to be talking about this igloo tonight. I guarantee it. <laughs> Seriously, though, why is that mobile igloo there? Is it also on the ship? I'm so confused about the mobile igloo's mobility. But that said, I'm kidding. Honestly, my favorite moment was Allison and Rhaenyra going head to head and Rhaenyra eyeing that dagger the way she did because of course it's that dagger and just the whole like everybody sees you for who you really are and as somebody who has dealt with a good amount of personal drama in my life particularly kind of recently I was just watching this being like everybody sees you for who you really are Allison sucks to be you that said that is my favorite moment slash scene but if i went with my favorite plot point obviously it's them not killing lanor so what about you nami favorite favorite things yeah so obviously my favorite thing about this episode was the lanor decision the 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 decision itself the build-up the execution the fake out everything was honestly it was perfect storytelling in a fantastic fantastic way and while it doesn't erase the shittiness of how they did in Joffrey it does make me feel a little better and like less hurt by that and it makes me feel very very happy my other favorites would include just Helena's web she's just hanging out with the spiders love that for her and I also loved that you got to see the kids bonding in that you got to see Jace and Luke getting close with Reyna and Bella because they're step-siblings now. And it, it's just really nice that we actually got to see them bonding before that, which also leads to the assumption that they continue to bond more. Because you don't just stab a boy's eye out and not talk to a bitch again, you know? It's a bonding yeah. moment. Also, drunk Aegon in the corner just sparked a lot of joy because Aegon, he is so not about this on like a visceral level. Allison is like full on tiger momming him and he's just like, I just want to drink and masturbate. <laughs> he just wants to have his fun. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Look, 
I know Damon's an asshole, but the part where he like cracks up at the funeral, I'm sorry. Look, there's certain things. Look, I'm sorry. It's funny. Okay. I know it's not supposed to be, and it's a fucking funeral. So, number two, him telling Otto in so many words to go fuck himself. Fucking beautiful. God, this is going to be a lot. This is going to be four of them. I'm sorry. So, how dare. How dare. Okay. So, just like you said, Rhaenyra and Allison going at it. Perfect. That was awesome. If I had to sum all of them up to one thing, I would probably say that one because that was really fucking awesome. And then again, Lanar getting away at the end. It was just nice to know that someone is going to have a fucking semi reasonable good life compared to the rest of these fucking nut jobs. In fairness, Damon's giggle and now they see you for who you are are objectively like amazing. I just mm-hmm. also picked my shit post moments because I suspected that y'all would pick real ones and I'd be like, yes, I agree. Those are also mine. <laughs> so now, joke's on you. I got like yeah. 10. <laughs> As we close out the episode, we just want to give a shout out to our Heroes tier patron, Tommy of the TKOK Podcast Network. Thank you so much for supporting us. And thank you to Nami and to our listeners for joining us for Hot D Takes. Manny and I will be back next week with a new guest to cover House of the Dragon's eighth episode, The Lord of the Tides. Thank you for listening to the Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out other Geek Saga entertainment endeavors, including the Sagas and Sass webcast and podcast and Ice and Fire Con.